Hey everybody, hope you're all doing well. Uh, I am here to share something with you today. Um, this is not an episode of What's Up With Danny. Uh, rather, it is an episode of a new podcast. Well, newish. He's been doing it for a little while now. Uh, by our buddy Colt Snuffer, who you might have heard on this podcast before uh, in the episode with Lone Caravan. Um, he has started a podcast. It's called The Way Down Podcast. And uh, I was lucky enough to be a guest on the show last week. Um, he posted the episode today that I was the guest on. And uh, what we're doing today is sort of sharing that episode with our audience uh, just so they can get a little extra promotion and, uh, you know, so you guys can kind of get a taste of what Colt's podcast is all about. Uh, Colt is a great person and I had a really great time uh, talking. He he was very welcoming. Um, truthfully, some of the things that he had offered up in his you know, in his recording space uh, kind of made me take a step back and think about the recording space that we have. And uh, I mean, we offer some things, but his hospitality was very nice. Uh, and, you know, it was, it was great to chat. You know, I don't often get to be the guest on these things and, uh, and I'm not often asked questions. So uh, it was a little nice to just sort of be able to talk and get a sense of uh, what it's like to be a guest on one of these things. So I won't do a lot of talking here. Just make sure, you know, you take a second to check out the Way Down podcast hosted by Colt Snuffer of Colt Snuffer and the Dead Horseman. Uh, we put a link in the information here to his Spotify page. You can get uh, episodes there with many people. Uh, I was episode nine. He has other guests, including Jason Ingersoll, uh, Jer Dreisinger, who was on you know this podcast three times now. Uh, and my buddy Evan Hooper has also been a guest on the show. So plenty of episodes uh, wide ranging from all kinds of musicians and diff- with different backgrounds. And it's it's just a fun you know chance to hear a new perspective and new stories. And I, I was honored to be a guest. So Colt, if you're listening, thank you for having me. I'll keep this brief. I'm not even going to promote my own podcast in this. But I will say, enjoy this episode of the Way Down podcast and make sure you all check out more of his episodes. All right, new episode in a couple of days. Thanks. Bye. Welcome to the Way Down Podcast. I'm your host, Colt Snuffer, and welcome. This is going to be episode nine, so just just taking off. Haven't reached that uh, tenth episode yet. Um, also, if you're uh, if you have underage kids uh, in the room and you're listening, please ask them to leave. This is a meant for a mature audience. Um. I'm sorry about the temperature of the room. It's hot as hell, to me at least. Anyway, we are in the presence of a well-seasoned podcaster mixed in the room with a fresh, green, not entirely sure what the hell he's doing podcaster. Mr. Danny Bruick is here. Um, if you don't know him, you should. Uh, he hosts the What's Up With Danny podcast, and um, he's just got a huge variety of guests on, and it's just... It's super cool. 
I'm fanboying out a little bit with this podcast, I'm going to be honest, but uh, we're going to get through it. Danny, how you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Um, it, it's actually fun to hear you say uh, episode nine because we just put out 101 yesterday. Wow. Yeah. And uh, and I think we're, yeah, we're on year four. So it's, yeah. it's crazy. Like, I, kudos, man. Like, That's I, awesome. I've definitely, it's it's fun thinking back on like episode nine and just seeing yeah. this, the steps that we've taken. I mean. Yeah. It's it's just a fun little thing that we do, but I mean, just we're in a studio now and everything. That's so, so cool. and how um, many how many years are you into it? Uh, four. This Jesus. is the, the season four. I it, I've been uh, just saying every year is the new season with yeah. the, with the start of the new years, the new season. But yeah. Um, but yeah, we've been at it for about four years. I think coming up on two with our with our producer Andy. So, oh, so you have a whole team involved in everything? Yeah, yeah. Well, That's he great. he reached out to me. He was a fan, and yeah. uh, he played in a couple of bands back when. And uh, yeah, he said he could, you know, help out with some of the sound, some of the recording, and everything, mm-hmm. and the editing. And uh, so he he joined up about two years ago, and it's been great That's since. Awesome, very cool. Well, if you're new around here uh, on this podcast, we discuss musician origin <clears throat> stories, and that can have anything to do with music uh, when it comes to it. Uh, you could be a college student right now studying violin. Uh, you could be an opera singer if you want to. I don't really know much about it, but uh, I'm interested. Um, if you're a producer, if you're an engineer, please come on board. We'd love to have you. Anyway... Danny, I'm going to hand the floor off to you if you want to tell your story. Um, sure. Go into greater detail as you want. We got nothing but time here. And um, yeah, tell us about yourself. Awesome. Um, yeah, so I guess as far as like an origin story goes for music, I usually when I think about it, I'm like, okay, well, I started going to shows probably about 13. I'd say I was in about seventh grade maybe. And uh, I didn't start playing until maybe a year or so after that. I I, uh, I had spent a year watching people play guitar in like halls and basements and things like that. And I was like, oh, I'd really love to try that, just see if I'm any good at it. And uh, and the, the joke that I always make is I'm sure that the um, a big reason why I wanted to play guitar was probably because I thought it would help me get girls. I'm sure the same reason probably any dumb still teenager does. Still doesn't happen to me. And it does not go the way you'd think it would. Um, yeah, especially when you get into your 30s and then people... I mean, I'm only 30. I say 30s like I'm deep into I'm, them. But, I'm close. Um, but yeah, it, it I you tend to see that it maybe looks a little more pathetic, I guess, to to girls. Not that, not that that even really matters anymore. But uh, no, I can remember it. I still remember it. The first show was at the Oakcrest Church, uh, right? Well, I don't think it's... Oak Crest anymore. I'm not exactly sure. I haven't been there in a while, but uh, it was headlined by Moreland. I think it was one of their EP releases. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, it was a lot of spute, uh, the record relay, and for all we know, played an acoustic set. Oh. And uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I just, I remember it to this day, just an experience I wasn't sure what to expect. Yeah. And uh, I remember I wore all black similar to how I am dressed today. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I remember I'm like, Oh, I need to wear all black. I need to look cool. I need to yep. do all these things. And then, uh, just got really just loved the intensity of it. The energy that those bands had that, that night was just something I hadn't experienced. And I was like, Oh, I, I want this more often. So 
that turned into the shows just about every weekend, wherever we could find it, whoever we could get a ride from, we would just go to different churches and basements and things like that. Um, but playing probably, yeah, like I said, didn't happen for another year or so, picked up a guitar, just kind of started, we'd play old Blink-182 songs in my friend's basement or Green Day songs or whatever we could, whatever bands we liked. And, uh, yeah, it just went from there and I've been playing for, yeah, 15, about 15 plus years now. Nice. Yeah. Sorry, I don't have a good throat for this right now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, now in that time, have you kind of developed your style? I mean, obviously you've developed the style, um, but have you really noticed an evolution of your playing to where, oh, I thought I was playing this, but really I was just building on to what this has turned into. Mm. Cause mainly because I noticed that about myself in my guitar life is that I wanted one thing, but ended up learning a completely different mm. thing. And, you know, yeah, no, definitely. I think, uh, at first I was, I was really into punk rock Mm -hmm. so I could play, you know, if I wrote a song, it had three chords and it was basic and real, just, it's a, it's a perfect, perfect, um, formula. Yeah. And (laughs) you know, and I think it, what helped me was I wanted to learn how to play songs that I liked. So I, I just would look up tabs all day, try to learn it or listen to it and learn at the same time. And I got really good at, figuring or well at least i think i was figuring them out trying to play songs based on what i was hearing and comparing it to like what i was playing and i got really good at doing that and then you know i think my progression in guitar changed with the music that was around Mm -hmm. a lot of the time because when i first started going to shows it was really screamo oriented and then it kind of made this shift you saw more like indie rock bands popping up and then it made this shift back into this like breakdown heavy chorus melodic chorus driven so i you know i was playing a lot of things that were digga digga and you know just real real cheesy sounding um and then i probably got you know closer to graduating i started playing in an acoustic band Mm -hmm. uh two-piece with my friend todd and we kind of started playing some of these shows or some open mics with a a few more like noodly bands Mm -hmm. some of those emo bands or whatever and uh that when I started seeing bands like that, when I, they were doing the the tapping and everything like oh, yeah. that, I was like, "Oh, what's what's this about?" Yeah. And and s- suddenly it just sort of clicked with me that maybe maybe I wanted to be more of like a lead guitarist or try to mm-hmm. figure out play you know try to play some licks or try to play just whatever I could think of, and uh, yeah, that was a big game changer for me. Yeah, and I think it's actually funny because I've, I've like I said I've been playing for fifteen years and I've definitely gotten better at the guitar, mm-hmm. but I just for some reason in that time am only good at trying to write a lead or something you know i i've struggled a lot with trying to write my own songs or write you know a chord heavy part or something like that but well everything everything feels like you're just scratching the surface of it Mm. whenever you're learning something or even if like i've been playing a grand total it's been 20 years but i only take took it seriously five years in okay um so really just 15 i kind of kind of that way just because i was more serious but every time i learned something new i tried to incorporate it somehow into a song but then i was just completely didn't know what i was doing because it was every every time i learned something it felt like i was relearning the instrument over again you know 
Mm-hmm. And I think that's a cool thing about songwriting is you have the the opportunity to kind of learn things as you go or like like when people say how'd you learn how to play guitar it was just like I just played Mm -hmm. you know I forced myself to play whatever and I was really bad at it for a really long time and Mm -hmm. I I probably still am in comparison to a lot of people like but um yeah it's just kind of I that's sort of the beauty about instruments is it doesn't have to sound good as long as it sounds good or it makes sense to you you know Um, and that's sort of what I try to tell myself when I, when I write, but then, then, you know, you get older and you kind of learn like less is more. I think that's a huge thing as far as songwriting goes. I always wanted to write these insane lead parts that were just too many notes and too many Mm -hmm. things and cluttered up the sound and everything. And, and it takes, I think, you know, one recording your songs, but also spending the money to record songs where you're like, no, we need to get this perfect and it needs to sound right. And then hearing it over and over and over again. And you're like, Ooh, that doesn't sound as good as I thought it did. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was, when I, when I first got into, uh, recording, I was also like very big into running. Mm. So I would record a set of music of some, whatever I was working on. And none of it ever went anywhere, um, but I had an old iPod Touch from whenever those happened. Yeah, yeah. So, and I would put my scratches or whatever I recorded, I would put that on there and take those out on the run. So for 45 minutes, I listened to the same set of music, which was sometimes only two songs. Oh, sure. <laughs> um, which is horrible to do. You, you shouldn't do it that way. <laughs> like, that's just torturing yourself. Mm. But. Um, I get what you're saying with just, especially if you're recording with a producer or something and like mm-hmm. they know what it should sound like. Right. And you're trying to measure up constantly. Yeah. That's horrible. Yeah. I, that was a big thing for me too, is recording with people who knew what they were doing. Yeah. I, and it really kind of told me that maybe I didn't know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, there, I, I love a person who will record a band and, and, you know it's a kind of a give and take right like i think if you're gonna record a band you obviously it's you know they're paying you to record them but that you're the extra set of years you know so you can kind of sit back and you know say nothing or you can make a suggestion or something like that and you know we can as musicians we can take those suggestions or we can just say oh no i think it's fine you know it's because it's ultimately up to you but I would much rather record with somebody that's like, are you sure about that? Right. Like, yeah. what do you, you really want to put that in your song? Absolutely. It just in, in keeping an open mind to something like that, mm-hmm. because I've, we've recorded with so many people who I, who I have said that to us. And I've said, yeah, you're right. That could be better. Or, right. oh yeah, no, I didn't hear it like Absolutely. that until you said that. Yeah. I think that goes a long way for sure. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's good to develop. I don't know. I feel like in every every band has their own set of languages that you speak. You speak to your drummer like, no, I want it more. Oh yeah. You talk to your bass player like, no, I want it more. You know, with a little bit more funk. Mm-hmm. And then you talk to your producer like, I want this to sound like this. And your producer gets it. Your mm-hmm. drummer gets that. Your bass player, so on. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you get like that perfect storm of people together who understand each other completely just like in that sense mm-hmm. um that's where you can churn out the most like that's where you can get the most out of your 
songwriting, recording, mixing, whatever it is you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but we just we we've talked about uh, I've, I've talked about this subject like multiple episodes now of just like having the group mm. of people that like you know you can just get the most life out of and it's, right. it's really cool when it happens mm-hmm. so um i'm sorry i cut you off oh no wait. well <laughs> i was just to add to that um yeah. as far as like the bands that i'm playing in now well i in the last i'd say in the last 10 years or so my main focus has been amongst three bands mm-hmm. um, i've been in some other things like projects that sort of didn't really go anywhere some things that were i was a part of for a little bit but uh it's mainly been like three projects over time and uh the first band that I was in that was really a little more serious where we did some touring and we did some like shows, you know, just outside of the greater West Michigan area uh, was just, it was called it's a secret. And I'm currently in a band with, well, I'm in two bands with the original, one of the original drummers and then one of the later drummers separately now in two bands. And then the guitar player from that band is in hexing with me and, uh, the the person that plays guitar in Tim was also like in a band with some of the guys in It's a Secret too. So gotcha. Yeah. So now a lot of scratching heads. Yeah. So it's like <laughs> so it's like I'm in I'm basically in these two bands with people that I was in other bands with. Yeah. And so we all basically some of us split and went one way and some of us split and went the other and I'm in both now. Yeah. And and uh. Which is, I just think is a really funny thing, but also yeah. like, it's been great to play with these people for, you Absolutely. know, 10 plus years now because it's, I've just, I've gotten myself into this zone where I'm completely comfortable with mm-hmm. the people I'm playing with. And we've had some different members come in here and there mm-hmm. too, but um, I think with a unit as tight as we were when new people came in, it just mm-hmm. sort of was easy to bring them into that unit, yeah. into that, that comfortability. Yeah. You know, it definitely definitely says something about uh, well even just you know having friendships with those people it's mm-hmm. important um, well that's awesome man it's cool mm-hmm. to see kind of how day one to now with learning an instrument how much it can evolve and how much it can kind of cultivate into things like bands or oh, yeah you know solo projects whatever it is I always love to, to hear about that stuff mm-hmm. so you're going to shows you were learning an instrument. How old are you in this in this time? Uh, when I started learning, I think I was around yeah fourteen or fifteen. Okay. Um, it's always a blur to me when I try to remember exactly Same. when it was. Uh, but yeah, I was around fourteen or fifteen. Uh, we're learning, like I said, just learning covers, learning things like that. I don't know if I wrote a song until maybe I was like sixteen as a part of like that acoustic group that right. I was with. Excuse me. But yeah, I, we were writing some songs. It's hard to say because we, we probably mostly wrote songs about girls or like some wise As you do. like yeah. metaphors that we thought were so just incredible at the time that yeah. were just dumb and stupid. <laughs> but um, but yeah, we're just we're trying to play wherever we can. I think we were playing at like Johnson Hall. Oh, nice. um, I, I had a venue. We called it Building One, mm-hmm. but it was literally just like the building to the left of the other building that was on the property. So there was one building and then another, um, and we called it building one. And we, I would sometimes, you know, throw us on shows there. Yeah. Uh, we try to get it like the mixtape okay. when it, when it wasn't, 
I think it was still on division when we when we first started going there, but we didn't start playing there until it was off of Leonard, I think, okay. or somewhere out in the in the newer venue. But nice. um, but yeah, just trying to find any show. There was a promoter in Muskegon at the time who was a good person, but kind of ruined shows for a couple of years. And that's yeah. not even to say, I mean. It makes sense if you look at it from like the business perspective, mm-hmm. and I don't, and I hate to sound negative about this person, but because uh, he was a good guy and he helped us out a lot, he gave yeah. us he gave people a place to play, which is mm-hmm. an amazing thing to do. But he would put he would make these shows that had twenty bands on the bill, and he'd start them at five like five p.m. and they'd go until you know one or two a.m. like the next day, yeah, yeah, and uh, and they were all like he'd say you know here's 50 tickets everything you sell after 30 you guys can keep to which to a band you're like oh i don't even get paid to do this you're telling me if i if i do this there's a chance i could get paid right and so you know all these young bands would do that they would sell you know 30 40 50 tickets just to make some money off the show yeah and then as you're going you're like oh if everybody sells all 50 of those tickets, the show's going to be insane. Right. But you'd get to the shows and then people would be, some people would be there right away, but most of the time people didn't go until, yeah. you know, the band right before the band they bought the ticket from. And then yep. they'd stay maybe for a band or two after the band. But, yeah. you know, ultimately you're, you, you know, at the room, it, there's a lot of people if you look at the count, but the room's never really mm-hmm. completely full. And sometimes it was mm-hmm. too, but, um, you kind of you don't you sort of get used to the idea so when you put a show on that has five bands which is kind of what i was doing at the time too not to say that we're competing or anything i think anybody that wants to put on a show is is great uh and sometimes it happened at the same time so you end up competing i guess but um yeah it's so people just kind of expect there to be you know 20 bands on a bill right and so, like, it took a while for people, I think, to get used to the idea of, you know, oh, no, this show's only going to have four or five bands on it. Yeah. And which is crazy now, because if I see it line up with more than three bands, I'm like, do I really want to go to that? That's the thing. Like, yeah. there's, there's, like now it's just three to four bands, mm-hmm. like, everywhere. Everything more than that is a festival. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that either. No. But at the same time, yeah, I'm just I'm just old now. And I... I get tired sooner and I don't, I don't need to be out as late sometimes, but, yeah. um, but yeah, sorry. I'm kind of ranting here. No, okay. I never get to be the guest. So yeah, this no is, worries. this is fun. Uh, but yeah, it's like, I would say just, uh, you're trying to find any place we could play or any, any song we could write that sounded good. You know, sometimes we, I think we had, we'd play like six songs and then sometimes we'd throw a cover, mm-hmm. you know, some acoustic song or whatever, but um we were just yeah trying to meet anybody we could make as many connections as we could absolutely which is also kind of the fun part about it too just making friends and and seeing their progression at the same time Mm -hmm. yeah that's awesome that's really neat we tried to we did that a lot last year with uh the horseman it was just Mm -hmm. it was exhausting but it was was (laughs) a lot of fun we definitely made some friends but I definitely shaved off a few years of, <laughs> of life just last summer. So, um, but yeah, no, you kind of want to build, I call it like a, like a, a cult following mm. first. Like you want to start with that before you like just reach out to average people. It's mm. like, you want people that know 
Like I like this person because of this sound, this particular mm. sound I can't find anywhere else. Right. And that's a cult following almost, at least to me. That's, that's kind of what I call it. It's mm. like, that's how I search for bands that I really love is like, I want to find a band that has a sound that I can't find anywhere else or mm. like a particular vibe they put out that I can't really like pinpoint anywhere else. Yeah. All of a sudden that becomes my favorite band because you want to hear a little bit more each time they do something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I become part of the cult following. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I think the, the also the, the ticket sale, selling thing just, uh, I feel like that's gone downhill. Yeah. Especially like mainly just for local acts. Mm-hmm. Like you can't, we're, we're trying to sell tickets right now to a show Saturday. Oh, okay. Where at, where at? technically is a few days prior, considering this comes out on Monday, <laughs> nice. um, at Bell's Brewery. Oh, okay, nice. And uh, it's one of those situations where it's like your pay is based on how many tickets you can mm-hmm. sell. So like we're pushing merch and we're pushing free stuff and all that junk out to people, which is cool. It's cool to do. It's really fun. I never thought I'd be doing that. Right. You know, Um but in the end, it's like, it's tickets. Right. You know, you can't just invite someone if they have to buy it. They're not going to come if they figure out they have to put money into it. Right, right. You know, and that's, that's kind of the, the bane of the musician right now, mm-hmm. um, which is just super sad. Yeah. No, I, I feel you on that. Like, I, right now, uh, we have two, both my bands each separately have their uh, Pyramid Scheme show that we're playing in the mm-hmm. next few months. And, uh, we have to sell tickets to both of them. So now I get to sell tickets for two different shows at the same venue over the course of two months. And, uh, which isn't a big deal. We, we usually do okay in ticket sales, but that's, that's sort of something I had to learn both from the promoter side and from the band side, because from the promoter side, I would always say, all right, here's the tickets. Here's 30 to 50 tickets, whatever. Sell as many of them as you can. Um, my only thing was with the locals, say I had two locals on a show, mm-hmm. I typically wouldn't, unless it was a specific show where it was like, because some shows you have to send the locals to like the tour right? Uh, and you, they have to be approved or whatever. Yeah. So, But on, in other instances, it would be like, okay, here are the tickets where you are set in the one, two of the lineup mm-hmm. is, is based on how many tickets you'd sell, mm. which to me at the time seemed okay. Like that seems like it makes sense. Right. But it didn't, it took until I started playing and having to sell tickets and Mm -hmm. dealing with all these promoters that were pay us this amount of money. And then you get this back after you sell this amount of tickets or, or like, okay, well if you can play the show, but if you don't sell this amount of tickets, we're going to take you off the show, Mm. but we're still going to like keep the money that you sold the tickets for just just some real like just some dirtbag moves yeah and it's it's one of those weird things because i get it i get it as a promoter you know you you sign on to a show you have a a certain amount you need to make and you need to have this x amount of people for sure but like you learn as a band i think and i'm sure you've experienced this too that you don't have to say yes to everything right you know you don't have to some we work with some promoters now who are like do you want to sell tickets to this yeah and we can say no and we're still going to play that show we're right. still going to promote the hell out of it but yeah. you know having that weight off our shoulders that's you know the thing is like 
we can, we can do a lot as a band, mm-hmm. you know, we can promote the shit out of everything, but putting the pressure of the turnout on the band, especially if it's a local band, yeah, yeah. um, it's an impossible weight to put on somebody, mm-hmm. especially since like, if you have the title of promoter, right. You're the one putting the show together, mm-hmm. you know, people are going to show up regardless. Right. But you know, to say like, oh, we're going to take you off the bill if you can't, you know, get enough people here. I'm like, mm-hmm. what? Yeah, <laughs> it, it is interesting because I, you know, I always try to, when I book the shows, you know, you, you're the talent buyer. So you are separate from the talent. So you're paying the bands, like mm-hmm. this tour package or whatever. Oh, shoot. That's my bad. It's all good. Yeah. You're paying, like you're paying this tour package. Mm-hmm shoot that went off and it totally threw up i had a, i had a point Oof, Darn. Nice blooper uh no like i just uh yeah i think if you're gonna be a talent buyer or a promoter you have to understand like that's what you do and right. and and if you're gonna book a local you know you have there's like this back and forth right where you have this platform for this local mm-hmm. this local might need the exposure mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean you have to pay them an exposure true yeah you, you know what i mean yeah. and like i mean and i think as a local band especially if you're you're up and coming or just getting started you have to be open to playing for free mm-hmm. like first of all no one is that good ever mm-hmm. you know right like people pay bands based on their notoriety and based mm-hmm. on their value mm-hmm. i guess and I think, I think if you're a good promoter, yeah. you will have that mindset with a band. Say you book a band for like the first time. Yeah. You say, all right, this is an opportunity for you guys. I probably won't pay you. Mm-hmm. But if you all do well, you prove to me that you care about this. You know, you can promote the shows, bring in people. Mm-hmm. We can work together in the future. Exactly. Give you more opportunities. Yeah. Later on, as I started to play more shows... That turned into, oh, I'm going to try and pay you whatever I can. Mm -hmm. You know, throwing a house show, a couple touring bands on a Wednesday. We take donations. We make maybe 75 bucks from the door. All that's going to the tour package. And, and and, you know, you try to explain these things to the locals before they play. When it comes to, like, an all-local show or a show at, like, a brewery, if if the brewery gives me the budget, everybody's getting paid. Right. You know, yep. so you you kind of learn as you go, like as a promoter. Oh, eventually I'm gonna find these opportunities where mm-hmm. I can give back to these bands. But right. sometimes you're like, all right, we need to work together, mm-hmm. and I and I understand this isn't ideal. But mm-hmm. if I can get a hundred people to this show, and you know, you we can work together, mm-hmm. I got you guys on the next one. Yeah. And and that was up to me to keep my word on that mm-hmm. and to prove to those bands. And I think that's that's why. I didn't have a hard time getting locals yeah. to play shows or trying to book things. Yeah. Well, if you're if you're genuine, that's that's the main thing. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're if you're good to your word and you also like explaining everything. There's mm-hmm. we we've dealt with a lot of venues that just don't give us the full story about payment mm-hmm. or anything. There was there was one venue we played. Um, we didn't really we weren't really solid on how what the payment was going to be. And then we found out it was all based on uh, the bar tabs. Okay. Based on how well the bar did is how well the band got paid. Mm-hmm. Some weird tip out thing that they did, mm-hmm. which is 
cool if it's like a big time bar, but if you're playing right. at a hole in the wall or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Where like even on a good night there's nothing. Right. You know, you're not gonna get paid jack, even mm-hmm. if you you know, drive an hour to some place to play. But also again, if you're playing new venues, um, up and coming band at least for me, that my mindset was like, okay, every new venue I get, I would be gladly to play, pay for or play for free, mm-hmm. depending on how far it got. Maybe I would just ask for gas money, but mm-hmm. if it was a new venue and I wanted to work with that venue in the future, yeah, put me down for free slot. Like, don't worry about it. Right. Um, things are a little different now that I have a band, mm-hmm. and that there's other things that we need to worry about, like our PA, our equipment, all that stuff. Back right. then it was literally just me and that guitar and calling people. Mm-hmm. I could, you know, do whatever I want, but you know, the more you grow, the more you have to, you know, worry about in that, mm-hmm. in that aspect, especially as a promoter, the more, uh, um, the more you get involved with bands, the more relationships you build with bands, the more you kind of want to bring them in, but also like the more you want to kind of take care of them. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's kind of just my mentality about it. Right. Yeah. And I think as, as you know, in my time booking in, in like the area, you know, I, I, there was a point where when I was really, you know, on my, on my game, I was doing Muskegon, Grand Rapids, Holland, basically anywhere that would let me throw a show mm-hmm. at, you know, some in Fremont, some in, you know, up, up North a little ways, you know, and you kind of learn what music, what bands do well in some, in some areas. But a lot of the time, I think the mistake that I would make was I would just, I loved music and I loved bands Mm -hmm. and I just wanted to bring everybody through. And, and you kind of learn over time, like you can oversaturate both, both playing, but also promoting. You can book, you know, I could book 10 emo shows, 10 punk rock, 10 screamo shows a month. Maybe one or two of them will be really solid. But Mm -hmm. if that's all you're bringing to the community, Mm -hmm. people are going to kind of, they're going to say, oh, I want something new, you know, the same way with if you're a band, you know, oh, I could play in Muskegon every week. Mm -hmm. Maybe the first week, maybe the second week will be good. Third, fourth week, people probably aren't going to, they're going to yeah. say, oh, well, we can just catch them at the next one. Yeah. Next one comes. We can just catch them at yeah, the exactly. next one. Especially if it's the same venue that'll mm-hmm. take you. So, oh, yeah, that's that's something we learned pretty quick, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's awesome, man. Mm-hmm. Um, so you kind of got in the promoting business as well. Mm-hmm. So I was going to say, I was going to say, too, I, I feel really bad. Um, other than your podcast, I, I didn't know. I mean, I knew you were in bands. I just mm-hmm. didn't know, like what stretch of the universe, how far you've gone out with this stuff. Sure. And, uh, and, and I wanted to say too, cause really when cool. we, when we were setting this up, you yeah. had asked me to send you links and I was like, Oh yeah, yeah I'm going to do, I'll do that today. <laughs> and then I, I am 100% positive. I went and recorded a podcast that night and then was like, Oh, I'll just do it when I get home. And I got home later than anticipated <laughs> and uh, definitely did not send you those links so that's my okay. apologies no for that. that's totally fine as a i'm glad i'm learning this it's that's i mean that's mm-hmm. that's what this is all about and uh usually I'm, i just get up i usually i get uh kind of irked when i can't tell anyone anything in the first couple of minutes mm. but it's really cool to hear it firsthand and to you know gain the knowledge so sure. that's really awesome um 
So putting together shows, promoting, you're getting involved with bands. Um, have you ever felt kind of that this has gotten away from your control? Like you feel like you're too involved, that there's things that you can't control? I'm just wondering this because I, I feel this way too a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I suppose so. I think as far as promoting goes, it, I was pretty young when mm-hmm. I started booking shows. I was about maybe 17, the first one. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a venue in Ravana, which, rest in peace, had just burned down a couple weeks back or a week Everything's ago. Everything's burning. Uh, the, the 180 room. It was my church basement that our, our youth group would work like the the concessions or whatever and um these local bands would come in and they'd book the shows and stuff and i i set up a show at that venue for a friend of mine's cousin she was Mm -hmm. a little five-year-old she had cancer Mm -hmm. we did a benefit show got about six of our friends bands to come in and play and it's awesome it was this really great night and uh you know i was just reaching out to bands and sending messages on MySpace and mm-hmm. just getting all these bands together. And I was like, I really like doing this. Yeah. Like there's something about not only like setting this up and kind of being in control of it, but also like when we got to the show, like mm-hmm. seeing all these people here and, you know, being the person that kind of brings them all together, you kind of get hooked on that. Oh yeah. A little bit. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, it, it was a lot of, you know, I did it for 10 years, so mm-hmm. I learned a lot over the course of time. But there were there were definitely times where I felt like I had to take a step back. Mm-hmm. And, tr- like, you know, you learn you learn these hot buzzwords. Like, like uh, one of my, my least favorite word in the world is toxic. Mm-hmm. I don't know if people feel that way. Because, like, whenever I hear someone say something is toxic, I'm like, I, you kind of have to question and be like, is this really... It's a very blanket statement. Yeah. yeah it gets thrown around a lot. And so, like, like I, I think there were times where I might have been maybe, like, a little gatekeepy, mm-hmm. I guess, in the promotion side, where, like, I had the bands I would book. Yeah. I would only book those bands. Mm-hmm. And if you were trying to squeak into, like, Muskegon, I'd have to... You'd, I'd be like, are you sure? I don't know if you're the right fit. You know what right. I mean? It took me like a little while to sort of be like, no, that's stupid. Mm-hmm. That's really dumb. Like whoever wants to come through, we'll get them yeah. whatever show. Like that's silly. That's dumb. Yeah, that's that's good that you realize that. <laughs> mm-hmm. But that that also kind of came with playing too. The more yeah. I would play, the more Absolutely. I'd go to these other scenes and I'd see, oh, this is about welcoming in people. And I think mm-hmm. I I always knew that's what it was about, but I needed to see it firsthand. Right. You know. Yeah. And uh, yeah, kind of once I stepped away from that, it was like. No, let's create this sense of community. Whoever mm-hmm. wants to play, it's it's more than just me trying to like do this thing where I feel cool about booking shows. You absolutely. know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, absolutely. I get that totally. It's hard. Just, I mean, it's the thing that usually, um, not usually, but the thing I've I've learned just playing in a in a couple of bands is just the. I don't know if it's always been like this or if it's I I, I got into music like only like started seriously releasing things only like 2017, 2018. Mm. But like within these set of years doing it, um, I've already seen like local music, especially is just a, it, it can be kind of a clicky environment oh, to where sure. there's a, there's a club here mm. and there's a club here. There's the outskirts <laughs> and then there's the middle ground. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, not that there's anything wrong with either sides, but they're each side definitely there's there's a gatekeeper on each on every side. Sure. Um, and it could be hard, especially if you're an up and comer who might have a different noise or might have a different uh, sound with your band. Um, I know there's a there's a couple different genres that just kind of are weird here. Mm-hmm. They're weird in Muskegon. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're only like. Uh, what is it? 18th Amendment downtown is the only place that I've seen a jazz band in Muskegon. Mm. Everything else, I just don't know. Even if it is happening somewhere else, I don't know about it, or sure. it's not being promoted right, or something like that. But mm. that's the only. But that's also like the only place I could see a jazz band actually getting into. You know, <laughs> sure, <right>. um, <laughs> which sucks. Mm. I love jazz, but. Uh, it just fits. It's perfect. It's mm-hmm. a perfect place for that type of band to play in. Right. Just like Unruly, with their whole chart of musicians that show up, almost every band that I've seen there is like, oh yeah, this is perfect. Right. It's perfect for this room. Mm-hmm. You know. And I think I think to men- to bring up Unruly, I think yeah. I I love that place because I it's the one of the remaining places that I think does it right. Yeah. In that sense, where like. You could go there any you know Thursday, Friday, Saturday night and see any band. Mm-hmm. I've I've gone in there and having no idea what band was playing that night, yeah. and then I'm like hour into watching their set, I'm like this band is amazing. Yeah. I can't even believe they got like uh, there was a band I saw them. It was like the winter before the pandemic, okay. and they were called Pajamas, mm-hmm. and they played Unruly, and I'd never heard of that band. I was like Pajamas, what right. band is? Loved them, yeah. amazing. Same with uh, Chirp. Who I love now. Chirp, yeah. yeah. Oh, Chirp is the yeah, best. Great, um, but I was like, Chirp, who's his band? I'm, I'll watch a song maybe. Mm-hmm. And then I stayed for the whole thing. That's it, yeah. Because yeah, they were incredible. But yeah. Um, yeah, Unruly, I think, is just is so good at that. And I, and it, it's unfortunate that uh, there aren't more places to play. Yeah. And I think in, in these little cliques, I, I don't have an issue with there being like this clickiness mm-hmm. within the scene. For me... I think I'm in all a bunch of little pockets yeah. because from being a promoter, you get to know everybody and you get yeah. to see all the bands and everything like that. Definitely. I think there's nothing wrong with like a friendly competition about it. No, you know no, what I mean. Yeah. And and I'm not to not to say that your point was like you right. know, no, yeah, or anything. There's but. camaraderie in between mm-hmm. um, for sure. I mean, everyone everyone's doing the same damn thing. Mm-hmm. You know, no matter what you're in <clears throat> into, really mm-hmm. the only aspect of it is. Are you willing to work with that person if right. they reached out to you mm-hmm. or you reach out to them mm-hmm. vice versa or whatever um mm-hmm. and like we've gotten to work with people that like i never i never thought i'd be able to like we, we did um uh turnstiles in mm-hmm. gr a yeah, few yeah. weeks ago and we did it with uh this band called uh, ernie clark magnificent bastards mm. which is like cool name hillbilly rockabilly type stuff mm-hmm. And then we did a we and then the the last band that played was uh, Old Mountain Acid Test. Cooler name, even it's cooler. Name. Psychedelic, uh, what is it? Psychedelic uh, soul music right or on. something like that. I don't. I can't remember what it is. It was, nice. it was amazing. Um, and then like we started digging into these guys a little bit, and uh, my drummer Larry realized that he knew a bunch of people in Old Mountain. And then we found out the lead singer, uh, Spencer Chestnut, like was a fill in on guitar for La Dispute. 
Oh, really? And I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> and we're working with these guys? Wild. And that's that's the thing that in my mind, it's like, if I was not into music, like I wouldn't meet people like this. I sure. wouldn't be interested in any of this stuff. Like mm-hmm. I wouldn't get to work with like just people that I never thought I'd get to work with. And it's all about just, I don't know, to me, like with the, with the camps of everything going on, it's usually just about how you approach it, how, you, how your right. attitude is towards it. It's mm-hmm. like, like I, I could care less for the band journey or Nickelback sure. or whatever what throw in a band that you don't like mm. but is extremely well known or something yeah but if they called you up and asked you f- to open for them yeah you do oh, it in yeah, a fucking in a heartbeat. heartbeat yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know no doubt yeah so like as far as the other camp i don't have any problem with any other camp other than the gatekeeping that's the mm-hmm. only thing that i'm against is just that that weird territorial stuff which yeah. i just i don't have any tolerance for but mm-hmm. Um, well, and I think yeah. not to cut you off, oh, yeah, go but ahead. I think where I've had discussions with people, um, that play in bands, you know, back when I lived at uh, the temple house, people in bands were always over there. So we'd have these chats and things about music and the local scene, even, and even since then. Mm-hmm. And there's definitely bands that you see, I mean, a good example, like, uh, flexidecible, mm-hmm. we'll say huge hit. People, Absolutely. people love flexidecible. Mm-hmm. Now I've had conversations with people in other bands and I, and I don't feel bad about saying this because I've said it on my podcast before yeah. too. Uh, but like there are people who might see a band like that, see some of the things that they're doing, you know, they're mm-hmm. getting on these festivals or playing on really and it's yeah. like practically selling it out, having these huge crowds around playing oh, burning yeah. foot, what have you. And there's people who feel, or who I've talked to, who have felt resentment about that towards yeah. them, which you know I guess fair, especially mm-hmm. if you're in a band that you feel like should be in a place where that's the similar case. Right. Sure, I could maybe see that, but I think the the bigger picture that I think people might make the mistake of instead of feeling resentment towards a band or like a local band for being successful, right. ask yourself why am I not in that level if I right. feel I should be in that level? Yeah. You know, like, cause you, music and being in a band can only go as far as you're willing to put the work in. Right. You know? Exactly. So, if, so if you want to tour, if you want to sell out rooms, if you want to do all these things, mm-hmm. you have to like prove that you want to put the work in. Cause yeah. that doesn't happen overnight. You no, don't just do that. You know? You know I, yeah, absolutely. And I think Flex is a great example because they've been a band for years and they've played those bad shows. They've written those bad songs. They've played together forever and now Mm -hmm. they're writing amazing songs and they're playing amazing shows. And I think I can see it, it, you know, it's been happening since I've been playing music or involved in the scene. People get jealous. There's resentment, whatever. It's all bullshit. Just, just, you know, do your thing, support everybody you can and just, you know work as hard as you can to get where you want to be, yeah. you know? Yeah. No, my main thing is just, just try it as best you can. Just try to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm sorry. I said yeah. bullshit. Is that okay? I didn't yeah, know. No, okay. it's cool. mature audience. Is okay. Sweet. I know you did the disclaimer before. Say whatever the hell you want. Cool. Awesome. <laughs> Good deal. Um, no. And I, I, I say this a lot is the ego. It destroys just everything Mm -hmm. it can destroy everything in your life if like especially the the argument of like 
I should be on that stage mm-hmm. and I should be doing that stuff. Yeah, you should. Mm-hmm. But you should also work your ass off to get there. Right. You know, this this industry is a industry based on performance. Mm-hmm. You know, you perform well on your promotional stuff. You perform well on your networking, your friendships, your community, your fan base, you know, by God's grace, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, yeah, flex. You know, it might not be your kind of music, mm-hmm. but you got to appreciate the work that was put into that because mm-hmm. you don't just get on a festival overnight mm-hmm. unless you're like a one hit wonder, which is rare. There's usually something behind all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, all the local artists that have gone, uh, I just saw the other day, uh, there's a local local guy from uh, I think he's from Kalamazoo. He's the the Michigander. Oh yeah, yeah. Just got on tour with a Manchester Orchestra. Yeah. I'm like insane. That's fucking awesome, dude. Yeah, yeah. Instead of thinking like I should be on that tour with Manchester, mm-hmm. I don't sound a thing like Manchester, mm-hmm. but I want to be on that tour with them. That wouldn't work, right? Because <laughs> I I write, you know, gothic blues. <sighs> Manchester Orchestra does not write like that. It right. wouldn't be a great show with those mm-hmm. parallels happening. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, especially like it, it, it especially affects you know the more artistic people. I've noticed is the why don't I have these things mm-hmm. or why don't I have these gains or whatever in my life? Right. And a lot of it is yeah, it's just what you've said. It's like it's work. You've got to be willing to stay up nights and perfect things and Mm -hmm. sharpen your craft, sharpen this. It takes a while. It takes a long time. Some people don't even hit it. Right. You know, some people don't hit it until way later in life. Mm -hmm. But if you don't have ego, the other thing you have is just a pure love for what you do. Mm -hmm. And if you have that, then... It makes it way easier to build your community. It makes it way easier to build friendships. And it makes it a hell of a lot easier to get in with those people. Right. You know? Well, and also to say, I should say too, is like I've definitely lived a life where I also have had those feelings. Yeah. Especially in oh, like in, in those younger days where yeah. you're like, you know, you see you see a band that gets an opening slot in a show and you're like, the fuck? We play yeah. similar sounding music why didn't they consider us and you you learn that it's not about that it's about being excited for those people like you're like oh fuck yeah my friends are opening for whatever band or whatever like cool maybe we'll get the next one you know Mm -hmm. like it you just it's about being happy that people in your community are succeeding and i think yeah that that also kind of comes with you know growing up a little bit and getting over yourself that being said i think ego does still play a little bit of a part because you kind of have to believe in yourself a little you bit do. not even to say that like you should yeah. let your ego take you Don't to take that place yeah but if you feel it's, it's more about the confidence of it yeah you have rather. to have a self you know a genuine yeah. self-confidence when mm-hmm. it comes about it mm-hmm. like maybe i don't know maybe bad ego maybe we'll call mm-hmm. it that sure, sure sure a good ego is self-confidence essentially mm-hmm. um don't be a pushover obviously you know hone your craft own your craft don't try to sound like everyone that you want to play with that's Mm -hmm. a huge thing right um 
And yeah, uh, I mean, to me, it's like if I see a good, a really solid local band, usually it just makes me want to play more. Mm. It just makes me want to like go home and do more things on the guitar. If I see a new pedal that I've never seen before, like, how can I replicate that Mm -hmm. with my shitty pedals? Right. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's been my favorite part about this local scene, too, is because it's always there's plenty of people that challenge me to be a better musician and it's it's hard for me to go watch somebody like i just watched uh at the showcase a couple weeks ago now i think it was whenever the last time unruly did a showcase okay at the end of last month i think the band was called above the flames yeah does that sound right yep with uh jen and um yeah incredible yeah. absolutely incredible Love band him. and I'm, awesome. I'm watching i don't know his name but the guy that is he's like he's got the longer hair mm-hmm. and he was sitting there and he's just ripping mm-hmm. ripping sorry i got away from the mic there That's okay. he's just ripping and like yeah. i'm watching this guy and i'm like oh i really just had this sudden urge that i want to go play guitar now i want to yeah. play for six hours so yeah. i can just like replicate exactly what he's doing yeah. and like i it was something just amazing to watch but it's it's cool like to to me like after all this time i could still see a band that i haven't really seen before and, yeah. and watch them on that local level and be Absolutely. like oh i need to go home and practice like yeah yeah no, that's great and it's cool because like now at least now more than ever there's more access to just people like we mm-hmm. we don't play the showcase as much we played it a lot or like i played it a lot when it first got started mm-hmm. um we don't make it out there a whole ton anymore. We we started playing at uh, the Park Theater open mic. Oh, that, nice. Uh, Jer runs. Yeah, yeah. Shout um, out to Jer. Shout out to Jer. Yeah, man. good guy. Holy shit. Excellent place, by the mm. way. Oh, uh, but uh, yeah, we and we we tried it. We'll we'll find like a new open mic and we'll kind of stick with it for a little while. Then we'll kind of mm. just you know visit it every once in a while if we have time and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, no, now more than ever, at least, or even at least more time than I had, uh, there's, a, you know, with limited places to play, there's still an opportunity for people to get in, get your foot in the door, even if it's a coffee shop. Mm. Any place can be a venue if you just ask, right? right. Usually. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's just way, there's way more access to get your name out there and get your stuff out there other than just the online internet stuff, which mm-hmm. is obvious, but gets lost in algorithms. But, um, yeah. And through that, we've been able to, we, we've, we've been able to work with people, but also we've like, I've discovered so many like sounds mm-hmm or genres or however you want to whatever you want to call them but like bands that have their own like oh shit that's what they sound like mm-hmm. and that's amazing like there's um there's a band out there called uh, the junkie swinger mm-hmm. and they're kind of like a family band sound like mm-hmm. kind of country a little bit of bluegrass sure. um and it's just amazing. Like they got a stand up bass. They got a, I think they have a banjo player and acoustic guitarist. They're like a three piece thing. And, uh, they're just amazing to watch. And they just, they go to wherever they can. They go to open mics. They're not like 
they don't take their venues seriously, which we're like, well, we're not, we're not playing an open mic or anything. We're, mm-hmm. we're a band. Right. You know, but that's what I've noticed a lot more is like, I think the camps are kind of starting to in- intermingle with each other. And that's really good to see because for a long time up until this point, it's been very, a lot of things have been very separate mm-hmm. between, you know, Oh, I play blues. Oh, I play uh, high energy uh, punk pop. We're not going to be friends. Yeah, we are. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. we'll go to each other's shows, or I'll, I'll go to your show. Mm-hmm. You know. Um. But yeah, the, the opportunity for community is like ever so present. Like, mm-hmm. well, and for me, I think the pandemic weird, weirdly helped that in a sense. Huge. Just because, like, I was, I remember the first couple shows back, I was just so desperate to play anywhere and, you know, being able to get back on stage. And Mm -hmm. it was just like, oh, we can do this again. I just, yeah, let's stick around for every band. Let's, let's meet everybody. Let's talk to everybody, you know, make, make that little effort to, you know, go up to somebody and say, Mm -hmm. hey, you know, not just say, Hey, good set, but like pay attention and like yeah, make friends, find that song or like find that part. I, one of my favorite compliments to give like a musician is like to really watch and like analyze the set and say, mm-hmm. Oh, I, that part right there when you did this, mm-hmm. you know, I think if you can pinpoint something and actually, you know, maybe, maybe throw a little feedback in there too, but mm-hmm. like actually like put that work in to notice and pay attention people that will go a lot farther with the bands that you can talk to rather than just you know hey cool set that was that was fun like nice job you know those really generic things don't really hit the same way they used to when we were you know just kids playing music you know yeah it's nice to hear from people who are just sitting there Mm -hmm. but you know a kid playing on a you know kitty piano will get that too Mm -hmm. and you know they'll feel probably way more but they'll it'll still be the same thing Mm -hmm. yeah no musician like especially if like i think i get i get way more nervous if i know i'm playing for another musician Mm -hmm. if there's other bands out there or other musicians out there like especially in the showcase there was a lot of times where it was literally just us Mm -hmm. the whole set of bands would show up and we would just be playing for each other right and that was way worse for me than like Oh, Unruly's packed with uh, people who are drinking. Mm. This will be easy. Yeah, yeah. But then you get people in there that are like, uh, oh shit, Above the Flames is here. and uh, <laughs> Damn, Tequila Mockingbird is here. Mm. Uh, damn, Kennedy Hester is here. And mm-hmm. she plays this chord that I have no idea about. Like, <laughs> um, But I, th- yeah. I think that that's kind of where that ego, that good ego, I think, yeah. that comes into play. Mm-hmm. Like any, I, I love to perform in front of anybody, but yeah. some of my favorite things are when musician friends come up to me and they say, hey, you know, it was pretty good, but mm-hmm. those couple songs, you guys were out of tune. Yeah. Or, you know, you got, like, I see you didn't play a couple of those, I seen some faces you were making, you didn't yeah. play a couple of those things right. It was yeah. a little off. I live for those sort of yeah. things. Like I, I want that honesty. I, t- I told this story before on my podcast, but uh, do you know Corey Bickford? He, he played in like Audrey, Nineveh, Ruxpin to list he out some yeah. secret, secret grief. Tiger, Tiger was like his most okay. recent uh, project that he was in. But we played, this was my old band. It's a secret. We played with, it could have been Tiger Tiger at the time. It might have been Secret Grief, but we played with them somewhere. And uh, 
after our set, I was talking to him, you know, outside or in the corner or something. And, uh, you know, I was like, how did it sound? What, what was up? And he's like, you know, you guys were a little off tonight. And he just like, just told me. And, you yeah. know, if it had been anybody else, you know, it might have devastated me, yeah. I guess, at the time. But when I look back on it, I'm like, I am so glad I had somebody yeah. to say that to me. Because knowing me, we played that show and it was either like I hated everything that we played or I loved everything we, that we played. And if I loved everything that we played and he said that to me, it would take me off of whatever high I had. But in right. a good way, yeah. in, in a sense where I'm like, oh, okay, maybe we don't sound as good as I thought. Let's go back and yeah. work a little harder and then maybe the next show will sound even better. Definitely. You know, I, I live for those sort of things. It's, awesome. you know, a not not getting caught up in like sounding bad because you're your own worst enemy. Oh, yeah. But if yeah. you can get that feedback from somebody else, then it actually means something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Definitely. Yeah. Well, especially especially if it's someone either doing the same thing you are or has been in the business a little longer. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and also at the time, I mean, he's, he's a person that I have known forever, but I've always looked up to him uh, as yeah. a musician. And he, you know, he, I was watching him when I was, you know, 13, 14 play all these things and then i that's awesome that's you know you watch those people and you sort of emulate them initially and in what they're doing so i that was that meant a lot to me in that time and that's why that's always the story that i tell when, yeah. when that topic comes up that's yeah. awesome man mm-hmm. that's really cool yeah it's definitely it can definitely be nerve-wracking to receive criticism but it's definitely good to take take notes take notes every show even like mm-hmm. even if you have a really good show you still want to you know, be as tip top as you can, mm-hmm. um, with everything. Do y'all, do y'all film your sets when you guys play? We usually, uh, sometimes we'll assign it to someone. Yeah. Um, sometimes we'll put it out there. We'll just ask people like, Hey, mm-hmm. if you get any, you know, if you had any film of our sets, please send it in. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't really have anything in the way of, uh, film equipment or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So, we had we well our first same place uh, turnstiles uh, the Spencer Ch- Spencer Chestnut of uh, Old Mountain he uh, bootleg recorded our set nice. and um, sent it over to us that was like our first like oh an entire live show that that got recorded mm-hmm. okay that was cool we should do that again <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then every now and then we'll get like videos from a couple of people who were there or um, my girlfriend usually is our merch lady. So she'll film a set or two, a mm. couple of songs here and there. And we just kind of use it for needle nose promotion here. Mm. And there. But as far as uh, like a legit live performance thing, we've never really we mm-hmm. haven't done that yet. Yeah. See, we've... Uh... I think when we do that, it's typically like we'll put a GoPro up in a corner yeah. somewhere or just like put it pointing at the stage. And then uh, it's mostly our drummer, <clears throat> our drummer, Zach. He's really good at doing that. Uh, he'll he'll like cut the songs all individually and put them online. But he'll also put like the full set online just awesome. just to put out there as far as like promotional stuff. But yeah. also like it's a good opportunity for like me to be like, oh cool our set from the pyramid scheme show or yeah. our set from the unruly show let That's me awesome. let me watch this and make sure we sounded good and then oh yeah can, reviewing yeah, yeah. and it's it like like weirdly like watching film i guess like mm-hmm. if you were an athlete or something mm-hmm. it's not the same thing but 
Um, well, it's like listening to your scratches, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. yeah. And just fine tuning that and saying, oh, well, that part didn't sound as good as I remember it sounding, yeah. or oh, that part sounded way better than mm-hmm. I. You kind of get that insight to what it's really like. I mean, you can only hear so much from the stage. So, yeah. well, everything happens so fast on stage mm-hmm. where you don't really, especially if you're like, you're dialed in yeah. to either your singing or your instrument. You know, paying attention to multiple things, it can it can pretty it could slip slip a little bit mm-hmm. from you, and usually you don't realize it until after the song's over. Like, I fucked something up somewhere. <laughs> Where did that go? See, yeah, and I I think I always notice it. Yeah. I I have had I definitely have a tell. People have told me that I have a tell. I stick out my tongue and I look straight up in the air. <laughs> um, That's quite the tell. Yeah. <laughs> Every time I play a note wrong, it's if if you see me if you watch me play on in any show and you see me look up at the up at the ceiling yeah. and I like stick my tongue out just a little bit, I probably botched a note somewhere yeah. in there. I do a quick little like turret turret twitch. Oh. Like, Oops. That's it for me. But I think that's that's the nice thing too. Is like if you get too in your head about it, you, you kind of it ruins oh, yeah. the set, you know. Yeah. Whereas like I can just shrug those things off. I I honestly like couldn't tell you what I think about <laughs> during the yeah. shows because I'm just in my head, like in my own little world. Like I think that's you. Know, everybody has that like inner monologue in their yeah. head, you know. And I think that might be one of the only times I don't mm-hmm. have one is when I'm on stage playing. Is that's because. Awesome. You know, you just get so into it, like to the point where, like, sometimes people have said, "You didn't look like you're really having fun up there." And I'm yeah. like, well, "I was just in it." Yeah, you know? I was just involved. And uh, I think that's kind of the beautiful thing. You can just escape the world and just be yeah. like, if I if my guitar's there, I'm on stage. That's the only thing there to me. Yeah. Really, is my guitar, provided there's not like something going on that's right. really intense in the room or something. I we bad lipstick when I was in that band. Uh, played the showcase one time and i'm a i'm a big philadelphia 76ers fan okay and they happened to be playing on the tv that night oh, no. <laughs> while i just... while we were playing Damn and <laughs> i i was 100 percent watching that game while <laughs> while we were playing it was not not my proudest moment as a performer i guess i wasn't engaged as yeah. much as i could be but still but yeah i just remember seeing it on tv and getting caught up in it here yeah. and there and watch it's real real <laughs> stupid but uh that's awesome just sort of happened yeah. one of those times but i didn't know you were in bad lipstick is that with um it's Christian McAllister, right? That, uh... Or was that, uh... No, Christian's band, I think... I don't know if he's still in it, but I... From what I remember, was called Eye Candy. Oh, yeah, damn. Yeah, and he... I think he's in a new band now. Yeah, he's in, um... Oh, what's their name? Last Straw Motel, I think. No, Last Straw... Was it Last Straw Motel? I do like that band a lot. Yeah, they're really good. Shh, yeah. what was he in? He's involved with too many things. Yeah, it had Christian. a... Christian... It was a really interesting. He reached out to me. He wanted to do the podcast, and we just haven't set it up yet. But yeah. um, he's a really nice guy. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, no. Bad lipstick was Evan Hooper and uh, yeah. Kobe and Ty and I. Yeah. Which I think since it's become his new project, the yeah, Edgar his, Hope uh, and the Burdens. Yeah. yeah. No, he was uh, he was episode one. Nice. Here. No, we, yeah, I, I I love that guy. Yeah. He, I love bad lipstick. I think he's reached a new thing with Edgar Hope, like a, definitely mm-hmm. a new sound. Um, I think he's able to be a little bit more personal than he yeah. was with Bad Lipstick, which mm-hmm. both bands are really great, but I think he's like definitely taking more on a leadership role with this mm-hmm. one, which is yeah. cool to see. 
Yeah, and, and I've I've loved the the like little snippets that he's put out and some yeah. of the recordings that I've heard. I really it's I amazing. do enjoy it. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, I'm excited to see what those guys do. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited just for the for the drop. It's mm. coming. Yeah, so. yeah, <laughs> no, it's soon, right? The 18th or something, or maybe it came out today. I don't even know. I don't know. Yeah, I know it's. I soon. read something about it today, but I couldn't couldn't tell you what mm. it was. But I hope it's soon because, you know, I like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, shout out to uh, Evan Hooper. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So over the years, you've grown as a musician. Your sound has um, evolved. Your playing has evolved. You've kind of honed your craft. You've honed a lot of different skills. Mm. Over. You know, you said you did it for you know the promotional stuff. You kind of ten years into it and mm. all that. Sounds like a long time. Yeah. Grand scheme of things, it's not a long time. Mm. You kind of just drove yourself into it, it seems, and uh, you did pretty well for it. Yeah. Um, Thank you. As well as being involved with every band, apparently. Mm. <laughs> yeah. No, I, well, yeah, it's been fun. I truth, Truthfully, I mean, I think about it like, uh, I don't know, I just love music. Yeah. Music was that thing that got me out of my shell yeah. when I was a kid, and then, like, music's done just so much for my life, and the experiences I've had, and the people I've met, and everything, yeah. so it's like, at this point, you know, like, I just, I just turned 30 a few months ago, and <clears throat> I just can't imagine my life without having some form of music, whether, yeah. you know, because I, I, I stopped booking shows probably four or five years ago now, but like, I always think about, oh, maybe I'll, maybe this year will be the year I get back to it or I'll, mm-hmm. I'll find a place somewhere and I'll just book a show and just, right. just for that one little thrill again, you know, or just like, oh, maybe I'll, maybe I'll start another band or I'll write some songs or something yeah. like that. You know, there's just something about, I just, I can't imagine not trying to do whatever I can for like the same scene that's just done so much for me. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I don't know if that answered your question. Or oh, it answered that question yeah. and my, and my next question. So you're working <laughs> nice. ahead of me. Nice. You got to get out of here, man. <laughs> um, that's really cool, man. This is a really, this is a really good episode. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm really excited, but, um, shit that answered my next question too damn yeah what was your next question maybe i was i was i was gonna ask you like how has this impacted your life and you know has it gotten you into trouble has it gotten you out of trouble i know there's a there's a lot of people that other than music you know there's some some not so good things that you can get involved with that music could be an avenue to there's you know anything from you know bad relationships to drugs to Mm. jail time even i've i've heard i've heard a few few different accounts that are kind of out there i would say in terms of that i mean and i don't really even consider it to be a drug at least not anymore but yeah i definitely probably would have smoked a lot less weed if i yeah. hadn't gotten involved in music over time <laughs> but that's even that just comes I'm, territory i'm an adult i can do what i want yeah. <laughs> um but yeah no i i guess that just never really appealed to me and no offense to the guys because in this band because i 100% love them forever but yeah. uh, there was a time in my life where I was I worked I was really heavily involved with a couple of bands uh we call this irony in Lakeland mm-hmm. and I I feel comfortable saying this because I think they would agree with me but those guys 
knew how to party and those guys got out of hand and a lot and there would be instances where sometimes like i'd have to like get them through something they'd be playing a show and they'd do something wrong something that the promoter didn't like and then it didn't happen all the time or anything but like i think having been exposed to like that sort of behavior really made me not want to be like that yeah you know what i mean again loved all of those guys 100 percent. but like yeah that was working with some bands back in the day like that that were very much heavily into some of those things just kind of like forced me out of it i guess yeah. but um kind of exposed at the right time yeah and yeah. i i kind of feel bad because i said there i didn't have to say oh that's fine bandage, i mean there's I, there's yeah. plenty of people like i, I, I certainly... this isn't old, this isn't new news people yeah. know but still <laughs> uh we shit talk on this podcast all the time it's okay no um I'm usually so good about it. I don't want to say like <laughs> negative things about anybody because I love yeah. all those guys. I Absolutely, would, yeah, yeah. I mean, there definitely is a you know partying that comes with the territory a little bit. Sometimes it depends on what genre you're playing in. Mm-hmm. Um, I've played with people who get absolutely trashed on stage, and their performance didn't suffer at all for some mm-hmm. reason. Whenever oh, yeah. I did it. When you can hone in on it and it's, and it, you know, if it, it helps the energy, if it's yeah. a good, you know, if it's a good show, I mean, more power Absolutely. to you 100%. Yeah. No, no, really no judgment ultimately yeah. on their part. But those, seeing those things firsthand really was like, oh, I, yeah. and don't get me wrong, I've gotten fucked up and oh, probably not played a show well yeah, in, in my time. But yeah, you kind of learn that over time too. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I mean, to me, it's, a, it's just, it's inspiring to me, mm-hmm. you know, how, how somebody, how somebody is like while they're playing music, it's, mm-hmm. it says a lot to me, especially right. like just how they act and how, what kind of character they are. Um, I don't really tell, I don't really tell too much anybody this, but I'm a huge nerd and I'm very much into, uh, fictional characters and whatnot. But, sure. um, I look at it like that where it's like, um, we played a show with uh, with this duo and uh, amazing people, amazing musicians. They travel all the time. Nice. Um, and fuck it, I'll, I'll say their name. The uh, Tail Light Rebellion. Hmm. They're from everywhere. Like they, they're everywhere all the time, playing every day, basically. Mm-hmm. If they're not on the road, and we put together a show with them when they were in this area at uh, Mulligans in GR. And of course, it was amazing. Like the guy, uh, John plays uh, guitar and uh, kick drum and a tambourine, and is able to pull that all off while being very fucked up. Those, I mean, that in itself is pretty incredible. But even to Nuts, be to dude. do those things, if you have to do things with your feet and arms and oh, and it's, and it's sing, like Irish uh, punk too. Uh, so it's like da, 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 da. see, yeah, that's amazing to yeah. me. I love it when it's people nuts. do that. And then Moz plays keyboard and accordion Hmm. and throughout this entire show we're watching them and they're drinking more and more and sounding better and better and better Hmm. and by the end of it they can they're you know they're kind of bumbling around and all this other stuff but it's like how do you get a performance out of that Hmm. and stick it you know like nail it Cause I've, I've gotten plenty of fucked up at shows and like I use like I drink at every show basically. Um, now it's just slow sipping whiskey mm. back, you know, 
maybe last year, a couple of years ago, it was like anything they have is it's, it's, it's a go. Um, but you know, I got a little, like I would flub my words a little more if I drank too much before a show. Uh, I would think way too much for sure. For some reason. Mm. Um, but I don't know how these people do it, but then it goes back to this. Like I'm fascinated with that, like character quality of like how Mm. people are, how they are as an artist Mm. on stage, you know, even as they're loading their gear in, you kind of see like, Oh, what do these people wear? Like what are the Mm. kind of, uh, you know, what kind of personality they put out. It all, it all goes into their, into their music. Right. Like if you can kind of have a persona about you, all that stuff. I mean, having a good character is, is good for everybody. Mm-hmm. But, um, especially like when you see it come out in their music as well, like right. how they carry themselves into how they carry themselves performing and how they song, write songs and everything. Mm-hmm. It's just fucking amazing. I right. really love it. But, let me get off on that tangent. Um, <laughs> so, what are you doing currently? I should I should probably ask you about this podcast. Oh yeah, um, yeah. So basically, right now, I have you know a couple of things that I just like to do. Uh, playing in two bands, Hexing and Tim. Uh, Hexing for like three or four years now. Tim forever. Yeah. It seems like. Uh, podcasts been going on for about four years now or or we're on year four rather i should say it's probably been more like you know three years and four months or whatever who's counting but uh yeah it's been a ton of fun it started out like i wanted to interview people about their jobs Mm -hmm. i guess and just like because for me i was like i don't really know what i want to do right so it was like let me interview some people about what they like see if i might like it you Mm -hmm. know and then it kind of bled into, oh, well, I also know a lot of musicians who are doing everything they want to do right now. Let's right. bring them on. And then it morphed into how many different people from different avenues can we get on here yeah. and, you know, start a conversation with them, you know. That's awesome. And, uh, yeah, it's been really fun. I think, honestly, I know it's going to sound super cliche, but I definitely feel like I get more out of it yeah. than what I put into it. That's not to say that I don't put a lot of time and effort into it as well but like i don't know when you get when you start to get somebody talking about what inspires them or what they love and you can see the passion sort of grow as they're talking about it and they get really really into it and 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 it's like people also love to talk about themselves you know and and what i found is i think when you get a person in a spot where they're comfortable enough to tell you about what they're passionate about Mm -hmm while they also get to maybe talk about themselves a little bit, I think it gives them that confidence, yeah. you know, or it reassures them that they're like where they need to be. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, not that that happens every time, I guess, but right. to me, I've been able to see people, seeing people be psyched about mm-hmm. what they're talking about. It's yeah. just a beautiful thing. And it, it kind of makes me, want to be like oh what's that thing that gets me psyched when i talk about it you know what i mean like there's just something cool about that yeah Yeah. oh totally i mean Mm -hmm. i could i could say that about this podcast as well it's 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 the same thing every um i can't remember who i said this it was some past episode i i talked about this um the reason the way this podcast the way it is is the way it is is it's every musician i've ever met or like had a meeting with randomly like oh let's get coffee or something sure um 
this is the conversation that always came out was like, where did you get into music and how did you do this mm. and all that? It didn't happen like by choice. It was just kind of a natural thing that just ended up happening. Mm. And I went through several different formats of what I wanted to do here. Like first it was, I want to tell scary stories about mm. musicians. Like I want to, I want to do research into, famous musicians and figure out some crazy supernatural things that have happened to them. Mm. And then I tried doing that and the mountain of research I had to do <laughs> was like a full-time job just mm. for one episode. I'm like, right. I'm not doing this. Yeah. <laughs> and then it went back to like, how do I build kind of not only friendships with people, but also like, how do I cross promote people with this? How do mm. I do this? And then also, how do I kind of monetize it a little bit right? and use it as a tool somehow? Mm -hmm. And then it was like, oh, okay, we could just have people on and talk about, you know, where they came from, mm. you know, and so far so good. You know, yeah. I haven't, uh, <laughs> I haven't had a, horrible review yet or a mm. bad episode but all, all the stories of course have been fascinating mm -hmm. um but yeah i get what you're saying with the whole like you you want to see people like talk about themselves you want like mm -hmm. i want to see people like tell their story i love i love hearing about where people came from and how they got into this you know this amazing thing that we we all get to be a part of right no matter what it is um this one is music um of course it could be anything but um no i know what you're saying with that stuff is it's it is fascinating mm -hmm. for sure yeah and i just i think uh when people yeah like i said when people get the chance to talk about themselves amazing things can happen and and i think you know i don't know if you know people are re it's really resonating with a lot of people right. what gets talked about but right. the idea that like you know, we all want to, you know, the reason we do these things, whether we admit it or not, I guess, is we want someone to hear it and feel like they, you know, oh, that person, that story, their story, they're doing everything they wanted to do in life yeah. and they're achieving that. That might be the driving force to get somebody to go and, yeah. and do their thing, you know, and if it doesn't happen or if you never hear about those things, that's okay, too. Right. As, like, I, I love doing it. So, and I probably... We'll do it for a long time. Who yeah. knows? But yeah, there's just there's just just something beautiful about hearing. Yeah, people just be psyched yeah. about what they're talking about. And, Absolutely. And and then you know, for me, it gave me this opportunity to realize like maybe I could have a conversation with people. Yeah. You know, people I've known for years, people I've never met before. Mm -hmm. You know, you get used to being comfortable in that uncomfortability. Right. You know, in that awkwardness, because really, it's just having a, a conversation. You know, which in, in like a today's world isn't necessarily the easiest thing to do anymore. You know, there's easier things. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's awesome, man. Um, OK, so this podcast or this episode, I should say, mm -hmm. is going to air on Easter Monday. Nice. Which is what my calendar has listed as Easter Monday. Which is yeah, really, really I know weird. my work calendar has it on there too, and it, it is has, there an Easter Monday? There's it's Easter Monday, and on my work calendar it has Canada in parentheses next to it. So I'm assuming it's Canada's version of Easter. It's you know 
Just they celebrate it for the day after. <laughs> my my theory on it is they wanted to. There, see, I think they're smart. They put yeah. their Easter on Monday so they get a long weekend. Well, yeah, I think that's. I think that's they're the smart. one thing they do smart. Yeah, we we <laughs> we put ours on Sunday, and we because yeah. we need to work on Monday, no matter what yeah. year it is. Yeah, work comes where back it, where it falls on the calendar. It's yeah. always Sunday. Yeah. So Easter Monday for all you Canadians out there, uh, <laughs> this podcast is going to air. From that date forward, where can we find you next? Are you playing some shows? You got some episodes coming out? Yeah. What's up with Danny? Well, what's up with Danny? Plug away. Yeah, what's up with Danny you can hear on any streaming site. Uh, Apple, well, Apple Podcasts, I think. I don't actually know if it's called that. Uh, Google Podcasts. Uh, we're on Anchor, uh, Radio Public. Uh, there's like 10 different fucking things and yeah. i always forget them when i try to list them out it's too many yeah um but we put out episodes every wednesday okay. so every wednesday there's a new episode um this is the first year so far that we've actually stuck to that yeah. we are about i think eight sep- episodes deep okay uh with about three or four backlogged right now so nice. um but yeah every wednesday we put out a new episode uh we're on instagram what's up with danny podcast uh slash what's up with danny on facebook uh actually easter monday so that's next monday do i have the right yes yeah yeah. so that's next monday yeah Yeah. so if you're listening to this when it comes out the following like two days after this we're gonna put our first uh video episode out nice so that'll be we just recently started uh filming the episodes so that's Hopefully awesome. that'll be up and running and ready to go. And I, I think it's what's up with Danny Pod uh-huh. on YouTube. We made all the socials different on everything yeah. just to be confusing. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, every Wednesday we'll put out an episode. Um, we've got an episode with Jude Lolly coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and right now, actually, before I was, uh, before I got here, I spent about an hour reaching out to different people. So That's awesome. we should have a pretty wide range of guests provided all of those work out. Mm-hmm. We'll see um what my inbox looks like after i get out of here but um and then show wise you can see tim at the pyramid scheme we're playing crooked spires release show uh may 28th i believe is the day that is on and then uh hexing is also going to be at the pyramid scheme but that show hasn't been announced yet so i don't know if i can it's in july so just keep an eye out for that um yeah, otherwise, you can probably see me. I ride my bike a lot, especially now that it's getting warm. I actually just got a new bike today, so nice. uh, you can probably see me out there. I'm unruly, Pigeon Hills, one of the breweries or yeah. round town or something. I'm usually there once a week or Excellent. just hanging out. So, um, But yeah, I'm trying to think if I have... I never get to promote stuff, so I'm trying to think if I have <laughs> anything to promote. Um, listen to Zach Harper and the Wayback Kids. Uh, check out... Brianna Blackburn, she's a comedian from Grand Rapids. Also, Mike Bustler, comedian from in the Grand Rapids area. I believe he's from Muskegon, though, if, oh, wow. uh, okay. originally. But yeah, and check out Unruly's calendar. Go see a band sometime. Uh, if I can promote some other people's stuff, I guess. But yeah, that's pretty much it. I think I'm on Facebook, Instagram, all the all the stuff. Just look up my name or something like that if awesome. you're interested in following stuff i do absolutely of course uh all links will be provided either description or comments with whatever platform you're using i don't care go find them um 
And also check out the What's Up with Danny podcast. You won't regret it. He's got a huge Rolodex of people that are on there. A huge variety. There's something for everybody to uh, get in on it. Go see one of the many bands he has been associated with. <laughs> That's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I like busy yeah. people. Oh, I like yeah. I like uh, hearing their stories, so that's really mm-hmm. cool. Um, finally, uh, if you know anyone that's a musician or uh, engineer or producer or guitar player, and you think they're good, you think they got an interesting story, uh, send them our way. We'd love to hear from them. Um, you've been listening to the Way Down Podcast. I've been sitting here with Danny Bruick. Is that how you pronounce your last yeah, name? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Bruick. Like Buick, but sure. with an R, yeah. <laughs> You'd be when I was a kid. If I if my name like got announced on anything, I'm surprised it didn't happen at my graduation. Uh, it, people would say Buick all the time. Buick. Yeah, even with the logo and or or they'd add a second R, so uh, it'd be like Brewrick. Yeah, or something like. There's only one R in there. Oh, Where I've, did you get that from? Yeah, no, no. I got Colton Snuffer. That's oh. I've gotten every everything that you think of. I, right. it's, it's been there. I, I totally get that, but. Anyway, Danny Bruick, thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah. I really appreciate yeah. it. This was this was a great thing. Yeah, thank really you for having it. me. I had fun. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. This was great. We'll catch you next Monday. Uh-huh.